Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Rhea. Welcome to Karma's My Bitch, a podcast about love, sex, connection, abundance, joy, purpose, peace, and how life isn't simply the stories we tell ourselves. So earlier in the season, we discussed guides and guidance a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, we all have guides. They are really a particular set of energies or beings that are vibrationally aligned with us. And that's all they either they're here to service our evolution. And one way to consider evolution would just be our growth in consciousness. And we also have our higher selves. What is a higher self? So a higher self is that part of us who is most disconnected from our temporal selves and experience. And it's this part of ourselves, like this higher self, contains all the information and coding for our lives here on Earth. Okay, I have a lot of questions. I know you will. <laughs> um, so our higher self is part of us? Yes. Yes. And but only- like the trees are part of us? No, 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 no. They really <laughs> Sorry, do. that didn't mean to sound dismissive. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I know what you mean. It's like, oh, how connected are we to it? Yeah. Like, in, as connected as we are to the trees. No, it really is a fundamental part of who we are. So our higher self is like another organ. An aspect of our souls. So it's our knowing? Our higher self manifests to us as our, good question, as our knowing, as our intuition, as that voice in our heads sometimes. So who's in control, our higher selves or us? We are effectively because we are still our higher selves. But who overrides who? There is no such thing as an override, right? If anything was ever going to override, if anyone was going to override anyone else, it would be your higher self. Okay. It would be overriding your actions because you could just be operating from some insane place and your higher self is going to do its best to rein you in. Okay. Right? Because that's what it has to do. The goal of the higher self is effectively to keep you in line for purpose, mission, evolution. Okay. And so once we're out of our karma, why uh does the higher self then? Well, the point of being out of your karmic game or out of your karma is then you are really operating from your higher self. Okay. And your most divine self, right? So when you really are, can be like in your higher self or your higher self, like you're getting it, you're, you're getting that most detached view. Cause the whole point of the higher self is the higher self is that part of us that is way more detached from our lives than we've, than we can be because we're living it every day. Okay. We would be in a much lower consciousness because we'd be just trying to survive, right? That's kind of that part of that human experience. And so in order to, for us to come through our karmic game in this lifetime and come into our divinity and experience our lives from, a, you know, that sort of spiritual being having a human experience versus humans having a spiritual experience. We really need that connection in order to kind of get us out of that. Okay, so if you define consciousness as your three bodies, mm-hmm. if you define higher consciousness, which is still <clears throat> become even more whole, mm-hmm. that would involve integrating your higher self with the other three. It is fully integrated by the time you've hit higher consciousness. Here's the thing, and this is what requires trust, and this is that sort of statement, that cliche of everything happens for a reason, that reason may not ever present itself for a very long time. When we can really fully understand who we are, what we're doing here, and our purpose, somehow that stuff really makes a lot more sense. And that takes time, right? As much as we say there are no rules, because there are no rules, when fate, which is what we talked about, so I don't think we want to rehash it, because there won't be time for this episode. Well, fate is just 
ending up where you're meant to end up. Right. But you can get there in myriad ways, right? Yeah. So when we talk about fate, it's still not a narrow path. People sort of imagine fate as a very linear concept. I do this, I do this, and then this happens, and then, you know, and then I die. And it's no, it's like within that fabric or tapestry are just a shit ton of possibilities and probabilities. And the higher self is fully aware of all of this all the time. And so if something needs to happen, but there are circumstances that don't allow it to happen or plan A doesn't happen, there's going to be a plan B or a plan C, right? And the same goes for the unpleasant things that are here to kind of help us burn out our shit, like burn out our fears, help us divest ourselves of our karma. So it's the, okay, well, this needs to happen by this time. And shit, you're a little behind because you did this, 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 right? Because you could still make your choices. Okay, but this is still the end goal. So maybe this needs to happen. And because it's who we are, it's kind of like it speaks our language. So it pretty much knows our trigger points. It's really just meant to be a, a guide, but us. Yeah. And the more we can connect to our higher selves, the more we can really see that, shit, I am powerful. I am my, like when I can accept that I'm actually my guide, that brings us even closer to accepting that we are the divine, right? That it sounds really cool when people are like, oh, tell me who my guardian angels are. Who are my master guides? And yeah, I mean, but people love the idea that like there's this great master guide and this great soul who existed and they're in my guidance council and, you know, wow, like my being and my purpose or my mission or whatever ref is reflective of whatever that is. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it is. It's fantastic. And when people really connect to their guides, it's a very beautiful thing. But I'm like, that's the amazing relationship. Because when we can really unite that and bring it in is when everything is possible. You know, the problem is we've lived for so long in separation. It is really difficult to really bring in and adapt to and learn to listen to our higher selves because we've developed such a mistrust. So once you're out of your karma and your higher self is more involved in the reins. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is it meant to be all harmony and joy in your life? In many ways, yes. Not always. Again, we still have challenges. You know, I, I'll still get a text in the middle of the day like, oh, you're going to get an email from the principal. I mean, like, you know, shit's going to throw us off. But again, as we've discussed in the previous seasons, you get to a baseline, right? When you've divested yourself of enough fear and karma and bullshit, and especially when you're out of your karma and your bullshit, your baseline is not things will go to shit tomorrow. Your baseline is I'm happy. I'm in joy. I can, you know, I'll encounter bullshit, but I'll deal with it. And it won't keep, you know, really will not throw me for more than an hour or two, whatever. But I'm capable of feeling all of that because in, in this age of harmony, which is, again, what we've discussed before, we're meant to exist harmoniously with our human selves, right? We, we talk about like, again, in separation, you're either in a very spiritual space or you're in a very corporal space. Like it's never... You can never really have both, but in oneness and the age of harmony, you're supposed to have both, right? You're supposed to still, I mean, I still have to eat. I still want to fuck. I still need to sleep, right? Like I'm still having this fairy. I'm in my human body, but I'm so divinely connected that I can live in flow. For us to be able to be operating with our higher selves, do we have to be detached as well? Yes. To be detached is really, it's effectively just learning to live without our egos. 
egos are fascinating. I mean, we need them, right? We need them in separation. You need them in separation. We need them when we're in our karma because the pain of our karma can be so great that we would die without our egos. Our egos help us survive the world of separation. So just to recap, Mm -hmm. we have fear and our ego is basically here to find out, to protect us from finding out that's for sure. Yeah. That's the easiest way to describe exactly. it. Exactly. So it's going to so, tell us that we're amazing. It's going to tell us we're amazing, but it's also going to protect us. So it's mm-hmm. not going to allow us to be vulnerable in case right. we find out mm-hmm. that that vulnerability was taken advantage of. It's not going to allow us to take risks because we don't know the outcome of those risks. Yeah. It's going to want us to believe in the rules. It's going to want us to believe in the polarity because there it feels safe mm-hmm. because the safe is known. Yes. And the unknown is unsafe. So yes. our ego wants to keep us in this place where A equals B, mm-hmm. which is how we would define an expectation. Right. Which is really interesting as a definition of expectations because we would think it's something much more lofty than that. Oh, no. But it's really <laughs> right. as simple as an expectation is if I do A, B happens. Mm-hmm. It wants to reinforce those expectations. And even if it doesn't work out, it wants to make us believe that those, that yeah. those expectations worked out. And it, and it needs polarity to do this. So it needs to have a sense of right and wrong and that it mostly needs to be right somehow in order to remain safe. Exactly. And you can see that manifested in different ways. The person who is always going to twist the facts to show how they were right. Yeah. Or the person who's always going to twist the facts to show that they were wrong. Either way, they're twisting facts to live in a certain reality. The more of our identity is shaped by and influenced by our ego, the less identity we actually have because... At the core of our identity is really just who we are, which is divine. And so you can imagine the more ego we have, the less divinely aware we are of ourselves. Well, that makes sense because if our divinity resides in understanding that we are our higher selves, that we are our own guide, Mm -hmm. that we are the medium to which we can connect to the most divine thing in the universe, therefore we are the most divine thing in the universe, then, and if our ego is here to tell us that we are scared, that we need certain things in order to survive, that we are not good enough, all these kind of things, Mm -hmm. then what that's doing is our ego is going directly against the idea that we are our greatest guide. And so you can imagine then how sometimes we confuse our egos for our higher selves. (laughs) So we can't live without ego if we're still holding fear. Oh, that's so true. I mean, that's why we have to constantly confront our fears. But it's not the same. Okay, so I'm going to make this very, very minor distinction, which is probably so nonsensical, you'll cut it. But there are those thrill seekers. They love to face their fears. That still can be ego because their quote unquote fearlessness becomes an identity. Our ego is our identity. For the most part, you get to a point in your post-karma life where you're just like, I'm just me. So then what about... This whole idea of like wants and desires because, you know... Oh, the I ego think... wants and the ego needs. It needs. It's very needy. When you're out of your karma, there's no such thing as want. It's just desire. You know, when we talk about manifestation, when we talk about creating a new world, 
It's very much about your heart's desires, not your heart's wants. And you made that very clear in season one. And it's only of late that I've really fully understood that. Mm -hmm. Because it's very much a thing is if you really want something, because it's going to make you feel better about not being good enough, most likely, even if it comes, it's still not going to feel very good for very long because you're just going to wait for it to go. Yeah. Or you're just going to be looking at the next thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, well, now I had that dream job. I need my dream car to go with it. It's never really about the wants. The desires are the stuff that kind of add more love to your life from a love place, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. your heart. For me, the want or desire test is very much the kind of the big picture. Mm -hmm. Do I want to uh, experience this thing, Mm -hmm. right? But do I need it from a specific person in a specific way? That's usually for me a signpost that it's a want not a desire. Because if I want it in such specificity, it's making me feel better about something I feel I lack. Mm -hmm. Because it's true, once you come out of your karma, technically you can live without anything. Pretty much, yeah. So wants no longer are wants. They, as we were discussing, everything just becomes a desire. Mm -hmm. But it's a desire of, if it happens, great. And if it doesn't, I'll survive. Well, something else will come along. And I know that. It's not the I'll, I'll survive as much as like, it's fine because I know then something else will come along. Yeah. And that's more, I guess, hopeful. So presumably you can't live without any ego until also you have no more karma. What helps us really divest ourselves of ego as well is humility and not to be humiliated, but to accept that, first of all, we don't know it all. We can't possibly know it all. Just when we think we know it all, we're going to be shown that we don't know it all. We never know it all. No, no. I mean, even if you can access all the information, my gosh, trust me, like you still can't know it all. And there's no reason to know it all. All you need to know is yourself. I have just found that to be the truest thing ever for me is the closer I am to knowing myself, the more contented I will always be in my life because then I'll always be connected. That makes sense. Really, what's amazing is that when we can exist and live and experience life without ego, so post-ego, post-karma, that's when we can really get to magic. And I don't mean to say it like there's a carrot now. I definitely don't want to hold out this kind of carrot because then people, if then because then the whole process becomes inauthentic. Because as you had pointed out, a lot of the skills that we develop in order to divest ourselves of our karma and burn out our fear and eventually kill the ego are really what we need to live that magic. So magic is not manifesting, right? It's not psychic and it's not ethereal. It's the divine operating in this temporal world. Temporal as in because it's ruled by time. Yes. And in this kind of physical realm, right? Yeah. The physical realm, the temporal world. And what is, what is that? It is conjuring, creating and making magic from a place of meaning and intention. And that's only possible when we know our purpose. We don't necessarily need a label like my purpose is to be a doctor in this lifetime. could just be that I knew my purpose was to be a healer. How that came to be, I don't know. Right? But also, I mean, we could all just be healers and whatever. We argue that our purpose is to be holy and utterly us. Yes. That is our purpose. Yes. So if you know yourself, mm-hmm. you know your purpose. Yes. Everything you do will be an expression of you, which will be an expression of your purpose. Yeah. And that will come through everything that you do. But what then happens? Is it literally putting things in? It is. But I assume not people. No. 
Because again, you cannot violate the will of another. Okay. Compared to magic, manifestation is child's play. Manifestation is just an extension of law of attraction, right? And as we always said, law of attraction can only exist in 3D separation because it allows us to effectively use, which is just vibration, right? Okay, this vibration exists. I know it does. I need something. I cannot get it in this current life because I'm too separate or disconnected from this thing. And therefore, I need to find a way to attract it. It's just magnetism effectively, right? Manifestation itself is not necessarily quote unquote bad. And we don't mean to insult it by saying that it's child's play, but it's effectively saying, this is my wish list. This is what's going to make me happy. And I want it, or I need this. And then my life will be complete. No, as we understand, that's all from ego or karma. That's why it's child's play, because perspective is very limited. And it's not fun. When we can't manifest shit, it's not fun. My God, the level of disappointment is just a level of heartbreak that's akin to losing this person that you thought was the love of your life. It because you feel sucks. betrayed. So, such and a it does, And it actually makes you feel even more not good enough. Because why did they get it and I didn't? What's exactly. wrong with me? Exactly. And I actually found manifestation in a lot of ways made me feel worse about myself than better. Oh, and I... Because I, I wanted the big things and I wasn't getting the big things. Mm -hmm. All the small things didn't matter. I'd look at my list and be able to like tick off quite a lot of it, to be honest. <laughs> but the stuff I really wanted, I wouldn't find. No. And so I just got more and more into this it's hopeless phase. Yes, it really does. It sets people up for a fall unnecessarily, in my opinion. It's my own personal opinion. You know, I think guidance would probably want to stop me from sounding so judgmental, even though I'm not. It's just more of a personal it hurts me because I don't like to see people hurt. But I will, I will say one caveat about manifestation. There are people who are natural manifestors. It is within their, for lack of a better word, it's within their spiritual DNA, their soul DNA, that they can naturally manifest, right? They can visualize and it comes to them. It happens. You know, money falls. Like, there's all that stuff. There are people really who are just not natural manifestors. I am one of them. I couldn't manifest a damn thing, a freaking penny on the street if I wanted to. It's just not who I am. But I'm a creator. That means that I can pull things in from the ethers. So then what's magic? So it's not other people. Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> you want to keep emphasizing that. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? Because I think I've had, I think I've had experiences of it. So when we're in line with our purpose, as we discussed in the previous episode, um, flow, right? Flow happens. And flow is what gets us to magic. Magic, Rhea, is being able to create the life you want within the conditions that you find suitable to live your life. Now, the reason you cannot do that with ego, because what we think and how we think our lives should look is really not often in line with our purpose. And so magic can only happen when we've made enough shifts and leaps, which takes a lot of trust. And when we do that, that's when abundance is possible. That's when freedom, absolute freedom is possible. Magic is quite simply the ability to create that which does not exist for you. Flow happens when you're in full body consciousness, right? Yeah. And so when you're in full body consciousness, that's enough. As we said, you get there when you're karmaless, life's good right? Your karmic life is over. You can imagine a new reality. Fantastic. But 
Magic itself, and the reason why we say it's so purpose-based, is because you've got to be loving, living, and embracing your purpose. It's the, I'm big enough now that I can share who I am with the world without losing myself. Anything that says you're going to be tested, enough. Life doesn't test you. That's just karma. Thank you for listening. For more information, articles, and inspiration, find us at karmasmybitch.com and at karmasmybitch.insta. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review.